Well, good morning again. It is good to see you and your families here this morning, and we're thankful for your presence, and we hope that you will come back and be with us any opportunity that you can. We do meet again tonight at 6 6 o'clock, 5.30 for our children's class, or 5.45 rather, uh, for our children's class, and uh, bring those children to be a part of that, and uh, of course then we will worship again tonight, and enter into some fellowship uh, in celebration of our young people who are graduating and moving on to a different phase of their their life. So we most certainly uh, are proud of our young people here and the accomplishments that they all have uh, in all the activities that they uh, are part of. We have some very talented young people here uh, at McCoynesville and uh, many ways, uh, spiritually, number one. Uh, secondly, we have, they're very talented in some of the sports activities that they're involved in and uh, academically. Uh, so we're, we're proud of those young people who are moving on uh, to the next phase of, of their, their life and their course of study and their careers that they will choose eventually. Last week we began a study entitled Comfort Comfort Doctrines. We talked about what comfort was in the Bible and that it is and still is today a very biblical term that God wants his people to be comforted and he wants his people to enjoy comfort beyond this life. And we hope that in this study and describing that, that we can have comfort uh, to uh, one, and, and, but one must realize that they have to give up that sinful activity in, in their lives. And I'm afraid that in a lot of our teachings today throughout, uh, even in the Lord's church, uh, but most most certainly throughout society, rather than a call to repentance from people or from preachers and teachers to the people, many uh, are declaring peace and safety when really today there is none. A lot of people in the world today think that all things are great. Oh, we're getting these stimulus checks. We're getting all this money. Everything's great. You know, the ending part of that is that money's going to run out eventually and somebody's going to have to pay it. And you know who will eventually have to pay for that money being spent. But that's on a societal level. But let's talk about spiritually. A lot of people are portraying that spiritually you are okay. You live the life that you want to live. 
You, you don't have to put God first. If you want to go and, and have a, a weekend outing or if you want to go and you want to do whatever and, and, and there's, there's church times appointed, you, you're okay. If you want to, want to drink a little bit or if you want to be sexually immoral or you just want to live with someone to figure out if you want to marry them or not, you're okay. Peace and safety are what people are preaching today. If you're just a good person, as long as you don't murder anyone or as long as you're just not a, just a terrible bad person, you're okay. Well, this morning I'm here to tell you it's different than that. Good old people without the blood of Christ, will not go to heaven. There's a terrible place, and I don't enjoy talking about this place called hell. I don't enjoy it. It's one of my least favorite topics to have to preach about. Because terrible, as terrible as it is, Hell is a bad place. If I took a poll this morning, which I'm not, but I want you to take a poll inside of your head this morning. Do I truly believe that there's a heaven and there's a hell? Now you answer that question among yourself. I would say most of you said yes, there is. Do you believe that there's a heaven. Everybody pretty much believes there's a heaven, but not everybody believes there's a hell. Or at least they don't live like it. It's kind of like when I was younger, I was burnt terribly by scalding water. It was an accident. Didn't know that was going to happen from my waist down, both legs and my right hand. Third degree burns, I laid in Huntsville burn unit for over two months under an oxygen tent. Some of the worst pain I ever experienced in my life. Because it never, never, never quit. It was a constant burn. And as I got older, I thought about the fires of hell. But what I want to think about this morning, that is if someone, it happened actually in a bathtub, and I, I, wanted, I wanted to use this illustration, that if someone had taken me or even taken you today and filled up this, ba this baptistry, let's, let's use the baptistry, with scalding hot water, you could see it bubbling. And you knew that it was scalding hot. Smoke was coming off of it, vapor was coming off of it. And you knew that if you put one part of your body into that water, that it was going to scald you and burn you terribly. But they said, now I'm going to take and I'm going to put you in there if you do not live the way you should live and know how you should live, by the way, what God has taught you. Now this is going to be the end result. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you two weeks. Now, I'm, I'm using a 
uh, illustration here that's not like how God would present it, but I, want, I think it gets the point across. For two weeks, I want you to live the way God wants you to live. And if you don't, or if you do, you escape this. But if you don't, your body's going to be put into that scalding water. Now, what do you think you would do? Think you'd be back tonight at 6 o'clock? Think you'd be back Wednesday night at 7 o'clock? You think you'd get busy studying the Bible this week? You think you would uh, maybe visit the sick? And I'm going to give you a list of all the things you've got to do. Maybe you haven't been baptized and you're the age of accountability and you know right from wrong and you know you need to become a Christian. And you know that on this list it says, I can't go to heaven unless I've been baptized for the remission of my sins, added to the church, the only church the Bible talks about. The Bible doesn't talk about many faiths. It only talks about one faith. So on this list, it's laid out. Unless you follow exactly what this says, not what man has told you, not what you have conceived in your own mind, that, oh, I'm okay, I'm going to live a life of comfort and peace. Would you get serious about becoming a Christian? Now, you're facing boiling water in two weeks. Boiling water is not even a comparison to what we're talking about today, the fires of hell. Because eventually that boiling water is going to cool down, isn't it? This place we're talking about, hell, this morning will be never-ending burn. Folks, there's a place called hell. And we're headed there if we don't do and straighten up some things in our life. If we don't get serious about our Christianity, if our young people don't realize that God's number one and quit being like the world, if our older people don't realize the same thing, if our husbands don't realize I need to be the spiritual leader in my home and guiding my wife and my children, if the mother doesn't realize that I need to become a Christian or act like a Christian to raise my child and to teach them that God is first, a lot of people are going to see these fires of hell. Now, these comfort doctrines that we're talking about this morning are going to teach you that there's no such place as hell. And mostly the thought of hell is diminished and, and dismissed by many teachers and preachers and even members of the Lord's church today. There's been many uh, different um, surveys done about what people think about afterlife. What happens when we die? Will we live eternally where? Now the world will teach you that everybody's going to heaven. Pretty much. 
Very few. I mean, everybody thinks if you're just a good person. But there's things that has to be met to go to heaven. Number one, you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Believe that there's a God. But many will teach against that. Many surveys show that there's many conceptions about the reality of hell, whether it, uh, it, it applies to you and me or not. Some teach that hell, for example, does not even exist. Someone like an atheist or certain religious bodies, and number one being Jehovah's Witness. Others teach that the ungodly will simply be annihilated. Others teach universalism. Now hear this word. Universalism is the doctrine that God will save everyone so there's no need for a hell except perhaps the devil and his angels. That's the teaching of universalism. Still others teach a milder form of hell, such as an eternal separation from God, but there's no sufferings to that. Purgatory, the Catholic belief, teach that you will spend time in hell as punishment for your sins, but only uh, commensurate your sins, then at some point you'll leave hell and go to heaven. And there are far too many, regardless of their views, believe that it's not relevant to them or their friends. Doctrinally, people are teaching and thinking they've been judged and they will not be eternally lost. I will not be eternally lost is the most majority believing of everyone, even probably in our audience today for some. How can a loving God, one says, condemn souls eternally to hell? He doesn't condemn you to hell. If we, if any one person in this audience today will live in, eternally in the fires of hell, it will be because you chose to go to hell. You chose to deny what God has told you to do. You have chose what this Bible, to believe not what this Bible says. This Bible in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4 one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's only one doctrine. There's only one way to believe. That's what the Bible says. It's not what man says. It's not what I feel or what I want to believe or what I want it to fit my life. That's not what it is. What about the reality of hell? Number two. Again, this is not a subject I enjoy talking about. Nor do I profess to know all the ramifications or details about it. If I had the power to change any one subject in the Bible, it would be that existence of this terrible place. But I don't have that. God doesn't give it to you. You choose to say, oh, I can live my life how I want to and make it to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. The word hell, as we can see throughout many other studies that we've had, there's different uh, 
meanings when you see the word hell and Hades and speaking of the Hadean realm and, and all those things. And we have studies on that before. Brother Gossett had one not too long ago. And the difference of the meaning of these words has led to confusion in a lot of people concerning about this place called hell. The word hell is used 54 times in the old, both Old Testament and New Testament. And it would be a good personal study for you. We don't have the time today to go through those different terminologies of Tardis and Gehenna and all those different things. But it would be a great personal study for you. And even the word Sheol. But you want you to note though. In Matthew 16 and 18, upon this rock, he told Peter, if you remember, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Luke 10 and verse 15, and you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. Now I want you to put a note right here. It was to this region that our Lord went when he died. Many teach that Jesus died and went to hell. But that is not what's taught in Scripture. Where he went was Hades, which is according to Luke chapter 16 and verse 23, including a region that is entitled Torments. Actually, when we talk about the Hadean rim, Hades, it has two different sections, that place of torments and that place of Abraham's bosom, and there's a great gulf fixed between the two. You see, we need to have that understanding. A lot of people today says, oh, they've died and gone to heaven. No, they haven't. They've died and gone to Hades, the Hadean rim, the word paradise, because our Lord told the thief, if you remember on the cross, where? He said, I, you will be with me where? In paradise. So our Lord did not go to hell. So we need to have a good understanding of this place called hell and the different uses of the word. But you know, I can tell you this. Hell is an everlasting place where Hades is only temporary. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14, And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. If the Bible is true, and it is, then hell is a real place. And we need to understand that. Some want to dismiss the reality of this place. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Do not fear those who what? Kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body. Where? In hell. As our scripture this morning, you can reference it in chapter 5 of Matthew as well, is that if your eye offends you, what? Pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. If your foot offends you, cut it off. Take it off. He says it's rather, it's better rather for you to make it into the place, wonderful place called heaven maimed than rather to enter into hell with your whole body attached. 
And what he's saying, he's saying get rid of those things that cause you to not forsake God and not put Him first, whatever they may be. Whether it's our, our uh, inability to be motivated to be able to put God first, we need to find out what that is and get rid of it. If we have something that's causing us to sin, we need to find out what it is, realize that, and get rid of it. Whatever is keeping you from the assembling of the saints, get rid of it. Whatever is causing you to lose your temper and, and to say things you shouldn't, get rid of it. Whatever is causing you not to be the spiritual leader, uh, husbands of your home and, and the, the, the meek and lowly and loving wives, whatever is keeping you from that, get rid of it. Because he says you'd rather go to heaven maimed than to go to hell with everything attached. That unimaginable torment. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12 and verse chapter 22 and 13, even Jude 13. Jude 13 refers to this, For whom are reserved the blackness of darkness forever. The outer darkness. Hell is a place of darkness. Our family and I visited... Uh, <clears throat> the Mammoth Caves up in Kentucky some years ago. And you go down into that cave, you walk way down in there, and then they, when you get down in there, even they turn out the lights. And when they turn out the lights, you see nothing, <laughs> believe me. I mean, you can't even see the hand in front of your face. I mean, there is, I mean all, light, all light is black. I mean, there's no way no light are in, is in there. And it's so bad you can't even see. It's, it's like a, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's just you can't see anything. That's what hell is going to be like. The outer darkness. It's kind of like there's a light right here, and then the further you get away, you got some light, you got a little less light, and then in that outer part, you have no light. Right now is the time to see that light and to grab a hold of that light. Who is that light? Jesus Christ, God. 1 John 1 and verse 5. And we need to understand this morning that he is the light, but that if we do not spend or live, excuse me, live eternally with him in heaven, there's torments that will be everlasting darkness because God is not there. We'll be separated from God. Right now is the time for you to connect yourself to God and let God wrap you up in all the things he has to offer you, especially the blood of Christ, to be baptized for the remission of your sins, added to his church that he speaks about in Matthew 16 and verse 18, in Romans 12, 12. This is the time to grab a hold of that. And begin your journey away from that terrible place. Mark chapter 9, as we read just a moment ago, talks about where the fire is not quenched. The worm doesn't die. An eternal decay. <clears throat> An eternal decay where the worm doesn't die. 
Fire here on earth does what? Kills everything, doesn't it? It consumes. It consumes and, and gets rid of whatever. Yesterday we were burning some old wood and, and it burned up into just a little powdery ashes. Anything that we threw on there, it just consume it and, and take it away. But this hell, this place we're talking about this morning, there'll be no consumption. It'll be like I was for those months laying under an oxygen tent with continuous burning from here down that nearly took my sanity as a young child because it never quit until months later. You burn yourself here. We go and we put some aloe on it or we stick it in water or we put it in butter or I don't know what, pour milk on it. I don't know what all you do, different things. <laughs> the first thing we want to do when we burn our finger, what we want to do? Stick it in your mouth. You want to get it under some water. You remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Rich man what? Begged Lazarus to do what? Just take his finger, stick it in a, a thing of water, and touch his tongue. He just wanted just, just a, that little bit of moisture to ease that pain from this place we're called hell. Folks, hell is real. It's a real place, young people. And when you turn against God and you do things against God and you, you're part of things in this world that are, that, are, that are not what you need to be a part of, you're headed there. I told you the other night, our young people right now are faced with all kinds of stuff. Vaping, one big thing. I even learned this weekend as I've studied and I've, I've talked to some people they actually can put marijuana into those vaping things now. And it's, it's got a term. I can't remember the term. But they're, they're using that now. It's a substitute for marijuana. Vaping only leads to other drug use, if young people. You say, oh, I'll never do those other drugs. Ask any drug addict that who is hooked right now, and they'll tell you, I started out very simple. Maybe just some prescription stuff at home. And I'm going to tell you, you can't do those things and go to heaven. Whether it be alcohol, whether it be marijuana, whether it be vaping, whether it be whatever, you can't do those things and go to heaven. You just can't do it. And there's a lot of other things we could put on that list too. Sexual activity is rampant. It's rampant. Even in our small little town, it's rampant. That's where people go when they involve themselves in those things, the torments of hell. The last thought, true comfort when we think about the reality of hell. While hell is very real, a real place, and there's, there's nothing comforting about hell, okay? We don't need to despair because we don't have to go there. 
let me tell you tonight, or this afternoon, or this morning, I'll get it right in a minute. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to live eternally in a place of torment. If we don't get serious about our Christianity, yes, you will. If church is just something you do socially, that's not what you need. If church is something that you do or, or living a Christian life is just to please your parents or your grandparents or, or, or whatever, that's not how you look at it. This morning, you have to take ownership personally for your soul. As much as I know my wife loves me, she cannot stand for me on the day of judgment and say, oh, he was a good person. I can't go to the, I can't make it to heaven on her merits, on what she's done, and neither can she make it on mine. As much as she would share that eternal life with me of heaven, God doesn't allow it. It's individual. The day we stand before God, she will stand and answer. I will stand and then answer. I can't make it on who my daddy was. I can't make it on the good old boy theory. Well, everybody knows me just like how we see in our county here. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody scratches your back, I'll scratch mine. You can go back and forth. So you'll be none of that. Won't matter who you know. Won't matter how rich you are. Won't matter. All that's going to matter is whether you have the blood of Christ and that you've lived faithfully and that you've put God first in all the things of your life and you've tried your very best. Yes, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to sin. But you don't have to live eternally in hell. God doesn't want you to perish. Perish there. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. He has no pleasure in that. Ezekiel 33 and 11 says he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That ought to be comforting to us. God has done, folks, this morning what is necessary to keep you out of hell. He sent Jesus to die for you and for me. John 3 and verse 16 uh, there in that scripture, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that all who would believe should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. You have to believe. You have to be baptized. You have to live faithful. You've got to get serious about this whole thing called religion. Some want to wait to the last moment. Some won't wait till they're on their deathbed. Right now is the time to get serious. You see, you need to obey the gospel. This morning, it's up to you to choose the right path. He's revealed to you through his word in this Bible and through preaching and teaching what you have to do to make it to heaven. Matthew 7 and verse 13 and 14 says that there's two paths. This morning, you're on one of the two. 
There's no in-between path. There's this path that leads to heaven, and there's this path that leads to hell. And this morning, if you're here, you're on one or the, the other. There's no in-between. Oh, I'm just a good old boy, and when I get up there, I can, I can just veer off and go to heaven. No, ain't how it works. You've got to make a choice right now to serve him faithfully for the rest of your life and make that commitment. That's not just being baptized and just, that's it, I'm in. There's a lot more to it. That's the easy part. Friends, hell's a very real place. And we should want to avoid it at all costs. We should want to avoid hell with all costs. But no, the devil will give you a reason this morning to sit right there in that pew and say, no, I don't need to make a change. I'm young. I am young and I've got the rest of my life to live. But you know what? There's been a lot of young people here lately we've done funerals for, hadn't there? Just announced one while ago in a car wreck, young person, young lady, the sister of our principal, probably going home to get ready for the weekend on Friday, never had a thought in the world that that would be her last drive home. We just recently experienced that in our county with one of our teachers. Never thought. We think we're invincible. Especially when we get in a 2,000 pound vehicle and run 55 and 60 miles an hour and we think that an airbag and a seatbelt is going to save me. You see, that's how quickly life can change. And if you're not ready to go to heaven today, if one sin is in your life, you can't go to heaven. Sin and God don't mix. You can't go to heaven like that. If you've never been baptized, you have no hope. You have no hope. You're on the path to Hades, hell, if you have not had the blood of Christ applied to you through baptism, confessed his name. You have no hope. And I'm going to tell you, I want you to think back about the last time you got burned. Whatever it was. Now I want you to think about how that will be forever and ever and ever never, never stop. An endless pain of burn. And you could have avoided it. You may reject this invitation this morning. And you may reject them to the very end of time and you take your last breath. But I guarantee you there will be one thing that goes through your mind that very split second you leave this world. I remember that day on May the whatever, 16th, whatever it is. I remember that preacher telling me. Because a split second, when you take your last breath, you'll know where you're headed. And you'll be wishing. Oh, I wished I'd repented. Oh, I wished I'd have put my pride down. 
Oh, I wish that I'd have been baptized. I wish that I'd have been the daddy and the father and to my children. And I, I wished, I mean, I wished I could have found it to be there on Sunday night and Wednesday and, and, and study for Bible study. And I wished I'd have studied my Bible and I wished I'd have done this. But there's no going back and changing that. That one second after we take that last breath, it's done. Your destiny is sealed. There's no do-overs. You wonder why we stand and we plead and we beg. Boy, I get tired of hearing that preacher talk about coming to church every time the doors is open. You know why? Because we're trying to save your soul from hell. That's why we do it. That's why our elders do what they do. It's not because we want to be mean or we want to scare people. It's because we have an unconditional love for your soul. Your soul. As a person and a human being, we don't want to see people suffer. That's why when they get on their deathbed, we, we, we take and, and they have medical procedures now that will help people go through that and they don't hurt because it hurts us. And unless you've ever seen a loved one suffer, you don't know what I'm talking about. But this morning, you have an opportunity to start on the right path. To start your journey with Jesus Christ. And to live eternally with Him and his Father, our God, when this life has come to an end. This life's coming to an end, whether it be through an accident, whether it be through a disease, whether it be coming to the Lord coming back, we don't know how we're going to leave this world. We don't know. I can't tell you that. I wish I could. I wish I could say, you're going to die here, you better get ready. I think it's God's wisdom that we don't know. But this morning, make that choice. Don't leave still headed on the path to the fires of hell. Even if we get done with this service and it's bothering you, you call me. I'll meet you wherever and we'll talk for hours to help you avoid the fires of hell. Please come as together we stand and as we sing.